0: Dennis Ramondi with my co-host Phil Goldberg. Our guest today, uh, Dr. Anthony uh, Bossis. Uh, really fascinating stuff, uh, this research on psilocybin, Phil.
1: Sure is. I mean, and it's, I hate to use the word, but it's a flashback. A flashback, <laughs> exactly.
0: You know, you know, I think it was research uh, for, done for decades on uh, psyched- what came to be called psychedelics, uh, these medicines, uh, the psychotropic medicines, I guess they would be called, and they were getting some good results in treating people yeah. with 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 problems. And then uh, it got, like you said in the interview, it got out of the laboratory and onto the streets. And a lot of abusive recreational use; people had problems. So the research stopped for forty years. Now it started yeah. again, and I think uh, it could help a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I I I've, I, I knew um, a couple of the more prominent researchers. They were, you know, older generation, but people, they were doing research in the the 1950s and early 60s, and um, I I, I met them decades later, but they had, um, they really were sad that legitimate research and uh, what they felt would be, you know, important research into consciousness and uh, uh, mystical experience and its clinical applications had all been shut down because of, you know, what happened in the 60s when when uh, what started in laboratories just sort of, you know, ended up uh, just consuming the counterculture and some bad things, dangerous things happened.
0: Right. And, and I think what's interesting is uh, is how these guys, this research team out of NYU. Then there's another group at Johns Hopkins and uh, also at UCLA. So top top research areas are are uh, are dealing with it by first, you know, dealing with with you know cancer patients that are that are facing death. Uh, uh, then they had very good results. Uh, I think in a study in England on uh, people uh, who had uh, addictions, both to alcohol and cigarettes and, and then uh, with religious leaders and uh, if somebody really wants to uh, follow up the the article in the New Yorker that I first where I first heard about this research was it's called the Trip Treatment by michael Pollan, p o l l a n So if you google that uh that'll come up and'll uh, give you more detail uh, and and obviously you know it's it's an older article it's about a year old so. More has been done since then, but uh, just uh, very interesting. Uh, Who you mentioned that earlier? Those folks from earlier on—did they do uh, control studies, or were they just? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, they were doing control studies. You know, they were scientists and they knew what they were doing, Um, and um, you know, this was all in in highly regarded laboratories, like Stanislav Grof was doing it at Johns Hopkins and uh, other psychiatrists, the ones I knew were psychiatrists. Um, so they were interested in exploring the clinical applications of these, what were then uh, new compounds and um, with the, that they thought had promise. And, and some were interested not just in the clinical application, but in what this would reveal about consciousness and mystical experience mm-hmm. and so forth. And of course, you know, uh, the per, the guy we we call Ramdas you know was Richard, Dr. Richard Alpert mm-hmm. of of Harvard who started doing this research because uh Timothy Leary was his colleague also and, a professor at Harvard right right they mm-hmm. were Harvard colleagues and it started out as controlled research and then things went haywire got out of control um, yeah
0: well well I think one of the things that uh that uh, Dr. Bassas pointed out and I think it's important People come in, and, and if you read the uh, read the article, it's like they get counseling. They really screen the people that when they when they actually take the uh, the, the psilocybin. Uh, they're in in a, a, a room with a doctor and a, and a counselor, and uh, so it's and they have follow up on them and all. So it's not like you know some recreational thing. And I think also what it's inspired. And in, I want to have your thoughts on this bill. Uh, from what he said, it sounded like, like this is a way you know it gets. People either that directly participate, interested in in deeper levels of spirituality, of mystical experience, but also people like the doctors that aren't doing the psilocybin but are, uh, you know, obviously affected by the results they're getting from from the people in the studies, that then, uh, you know, people are more likely to look to meditation, look to... Because my feeling is that these types of uh, drugs or uh, substances... Can, can get somebody a, a, a vision uh, of a higher state of consciousness, but that to, to actually get there, it involves, you know, um, work from one person's side in terms of using the ancient technologies, many of which you did, you did talk about in your book, American Veda, that have been time tested and actually uh, over time uh, have been effective in getting people higher states of consciousness.
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I, and I'm sure there are exceptions, but I mean, look, you and I both had experiences with drugs back in the '60s, and and in my case, it probably yours, it led to investigating uh, meditation and and getting deeply involved in that. Uh, there was a sense back then that maybe because you know we saw people having bad trips, or we had them ourselves, there were there was a downside to this recreational use but it opened up the doors and and many of us just kind of knew that drugs had their limitations but they pointed to something that could be more enduring and more natural and safer if, uh, approached a different way. And that led me- so many of our generation to yoga and meditation to ashrams in India and, and, and Buddha's, uh, Buddhist practices. So, um, I think that's probably a kind of natural development. It was controversial at the time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people who argued for doing it naturally were sometimes ridiculed by, you know, the, the drugs the people who who were into psychedelics, and and vice versa. So, but you know, um, it just it just pointed to the the possibilities right. of higher consciousness. Right,
0: and, and I must say, my my case, I uh, got involved in meditation. I started TM at a time when the whole drug thing was really exploding. So I avoided a lot of that uh, because I started TM. And just like you said, some people. Mostly didn't ridicule, but they they were interested, or they didn't want to wait a long time. But as I look historically at it, the people that stayed with you know uh, the hallucinogens and stuff like that, they burned out after a while, and they either had problems or they stopped doing it altogether, uh, you know, whatever. But the people that uh, got involved in TM or Zen or whatever and yoga that really stayed with it, it seemed that um, their experiences were less dramatic. Uh, and then, but but then uh, they, they they there was a more consistency to their growth, and also there were people who had uh, a flash of a spiritual or mystical experience through a drug, and then got then figured, look, uh, I for me to really permanently attain that, I have to find, and and then they started looking toward the east, and right back yeah. then I took a course on Eastern philosophy and the Bhagavad Gita and all, but uh, yeah, that was a, a a fascinating time in the '60s when people had. Mystical experience, maybe uh, caused that came from a drug, but then uh, many people went in, uh, in, in started looking east. Uh, and again, this is a lot of this comes out in your book for the wisdom and the roadmap to getting inside, uh, right? Have, and the un- and permanent. the
1: understanding and the, the consistency of experience and the safety is, you know, when when word gets out about the kind of studies mm-hmm. Dr. Bosses was talking about. People are going to want to have that experience. And, and, now, and as he said uh, during the interview, that's a concern for people um, because you don't want to recapitulate what happened in the 60s. And, you know, things get dangerous. But now, with the accessibility of yoga and meditation and mindfulness and everything else, one hopes that people who hear that these experiences are possible and these states of consciousness, not just uh, fleeting experience, have validity, uh, then maybe they'll look to, you know, the time tested and, uh, natural and safe ways of doing it in, in, a in a sincere way. And, uh, you know, that, that could have transformative effects beyond individual lives.
0: Right. No, no, no Very good point. And, and one of the things we've discussed, uh, on our shows and in our discussions, Phil, is, uh, you know, uh, many people do yoga to, uh, even when I say yoga, yoga asanas, uh, Hatha yoga, to feel better, to look better. But, you know, uh, the message should also be to folks more and more, and hopefully we'll get this message out, uh, that there's more than just that, that there yes. is a possibility for higher states of consciousness and mystical experience and, and all of that. So if you're... And here's to... here's
1: an interesting thing about that. If somebody takes a Hatha yoga class because they want to look better or lose weight or, you know, heal their back pain, whatever it is, if they go to a good class... With a good teacher, they might have a transcendent kind of experience, right. even if they don't anticipate it. Because one of the things that you know, research like Voss's research tells us, is that the, the, there's a physiological correlate to these experiences. If they can be induced by a certain dosage of uh, certain plants, then why not? An hour of you know asanas and pranayama in in the right context, something happens to people's consciousness, and an uh, you know, awful lot of people who go to yoga classes for seemingly mm-hmm. superficial reason, then say, "Oh, there's more to this." Right. I, yeah, I it, had it's, to experience it, a profound peace I never had that right. before. What what's what's going on here?
0: Yeah, you, you, There's a uh, you know a a story you and I heard back in our old. Uh, meditation courses back in the day about the guy uh, you know who starts meditation uh, to to uh, get over insomnia so that he can sleep and then you know that's why he starts and he has some good effect and then he realizes wait a minute not only can I uh, solve my sleeping problem but maybe I can get enlightened you know, maybe maybe I yeah, can know right. God through this so it's it's uh, so people start for different reasons but I think it's also important that that people know that those possibilities exist.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the difference between now and the '60s. I think uh, you know, it's these uh, uh, this understanding and these ideas are so much more part of everyday life in our culture, and and in, you know uh, that I think um, things are different now.
0: Well, that was uh, uh, very interesting. I think we should stay uh, abreast of uh, of his research and the research that's going on. Not only at NYU, but at Johns Hopkins and uh, and UCLA, and maybe have a couple of other people in that that area uh, on the show okay. to uh, keep our listeners informed about what's going on. And so we shall. And uh, uh, thus the end of another episode of Spirit Matters. spiritmatterstalk.com. dot <laughs> com. Here we and I want to say one more thing, Phil. Uh, the first time I met uh, Doctor Bosses, uh, it was on my radio show. I had him on. I had read the article, and afterwards. I had some discussion. I said, I began doing a podcast with you. And he says, you know, Phil Goldberg, the guy that wrote American <laughs> beta. So I said, nah, yeah, I know him pretty well. And he says, well, I have his book right. It's one of my favorite. So not making this up, folks. Uh, that's true. So uh, if you haven't read it, get it, read it. Uh, I'm honored. <laughs> all right. All the best. Thanks. Next time.